Good to see everyone out this evening. Appreciate your presence very much. Good to be here. Rainy night, good moisture falling out there. That's always a wonderful thing to see. And thank you for braving that and for being here. As was stated, we're going to be in Numbers, the 17th chapter. We're going to back up a little bit. 16 and 17 go together. I feel really guilty. Tim had 50 verses last week. Justin has 40-some-odd, God willing, next week. And I've got 13. I don't know how I did that. But it's, it's an amazing chapter. It uh, applies so readily to us today. The... Uh, the teaching is there, and, and hopefully uh, it will be as edifying for you as it, as it was to me. And as Tim covered last week, number 16, don't be like Cora. That was appreciated his efforts on that. It was very good. There was those three guys who, who murmured against Moses and Aaron, these three men. And then the third verse talks about them, and it said, They gathered together with Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves. You know, sometimes we look at that, we'll say that, you've got too much on your plate. You know, let me help you out. Well, that wasn't, it wasn't a good thing, and you covered that well last week. They were trying to take some of his authority. He said, you take too much on yourselves, for all the congregation is holy. We're all holy. You don't have to be the only ones who are, who are priests. We're all holy. Every one of us, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So this, this uh, argument, this discussion is over who's going to be the priest. Who's going to be God's voice among the people? And you skip down to verse 31, and that's when these three men are, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, are swallowed up. Verse 31 says, Now it came to pass as he finished speaking, as Moses there finished speaking, all these words that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and with all the men with Korah, and all the men with Korah, with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them, and they perished from among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. You would think that would be enough. That is frightening just to read. Can't imagine living through that. What happened? Well, the next day, the very next day, all the congregation, the children of Israel, again, murmured against Moses and Aaron. We want some of that Responsi not the responsibility, not the service. We just want the authority. We want the power. They murmured against the children. All the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron saying, you killed the people of the Lord. All the people that died the previous day, they're calling them now the people of the Lord. And they actually turned toward Moses and Aaron. God appeared in the tabernacle. Verse 44 said, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, get away from this congregation that I may consume them in a moment, and they fell on their faces. So Moses and Aaron fell on their faces to make intercession for the people that was trying to do them harm. And Moses said to Aaron, verse 46, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put incense in it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them, for wrath has come out from the Lord, the plague has begun. Verse 47, then, then Aaron 
took it as Moses commanded and ran. He didn't walk. He ran, even though these people were all trying to, to do them harm. And he ran into the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700, besides those who had died in the Korah incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, for the plague had stopped. Interesting thing, though, that still didn't settle the question. It didn't settle it as far as God, so we go to verse to number 17, and God had to, to perform this amazing miracle, Aaron's rod that budded. And we don't talk about that much. That's a, an incredible miracle that took place here as, he was, as God was trying to settle this argument. Settle the matter of who's going to be the priest. What tribes were going to be the priest? And he resorted to this amazing miracle to put all doubt away of who, what tribe was going to be the priest. So that brings us to our reading in Numbers 17, starting there in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders, according to the father's houses, 12 rods, one from each tribe of Israel, write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi, for there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I meet you. Place them in the tent of tabernacle before the Ark of the Covenant, it says, before the testimony, that's the Ark of the Covenant, where I meet you. Okay, verse 5. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against you. These were not standard rods. They were. They were walking sticks. But each one of them represented the tribe. Each one served as you could use a rod for correction. You could use it for any number of things. But you also use it for a scepter as wielding power. If we take this name, rod, it can be translated in several different ways and is used in the Old Testament several different ways. It's translated branch. It's translated tribe, rod, but also scepter as in wielding power and authority. And these were the father of each tribe it was their rod that he took and put before the ark of the covenant each one of these rods represented authority represented an entire tribe and the father's rods were what they gathered so this staff this rod this scepter if you will you even call it a shepherd's crook it could be any number of things Sometimes they were ornate. Sometimes they were decorated, intricately carved. Uh, but it was a symbol of power and authority. I, I had a couple of walking sticks at the house, and I forgot to bring them. A couple of canes uh, over the past couple of years. I've had to use those periodically. And, uh, and, and, and it's interesting. Uh, one's a little bit carved, a, few, a little carving on it. The other one's just basically a stick that's got a little finish on it. Um, 
but there's any number of ways that we can talk about a rod or a staff or a scepter. They can be very ornate, they can be long, they can be short, canes are fairly short, but a staff, a walking stick, is handy, is handy. But if it's ornate and it's decorated and it, and it uh, represents power, then you tend to wield it as a scepter. And we don't know exactly what these look like. It could be any of these. It could be any of them. Very, very plain. Could be ornate, could be decorated, could have jewels on it. We don't know. But each one of them represented the head of the tribe and the power assigned to that head of, of the tribe. So verse 6 says, So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece for each leader according to their father's house. Twelve rods. And the rod of Aaron was among the rods, and Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. So he took them into the Holy of Holies before the Ark of the Covenant and placed these 12 rods there. And remember we read earlier in verse 5 that God said, you take these in there, you place them there, and he said, and it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. This is a dry, dead stick. This is not... You can't, take a, you can't take a limb and, you, and cut it off of a tree and use it for much. It's green. You try putting weight on it, it's just going to bend. For that to work, that stick has got to be cured out, sometimes carved, sometimes just cut the, the branches, the, uh, the little stems off of it, finish it in some way. But it's a dead stick. And he said, the man that I choose, it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose, that rod, that staff, that scepter, will blossom. Verse 8, And it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness. And behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. Not just sprouted. But sprouted, put forth buds, produced almonds, and bloomed. How do you get that out of a, a dry, dead stick? And I, but those are almond fruit, almond blooms, and almond buds. And I don't know how, how many, how, how many were on the staff. Don't have any idea. Somebody's rendition of what it might, might have looked like. You would think it would be pretty obvious, whatever it was. And whatever it was, it had got the effect that God wanted it to have. This stick sprouted and budded and put on blooms and, and produced ripe fruit, ripe almonds. This dry, dead stick. But you know, there were so many amazing miracles going on uh, one right after another daily occurrences that took place this is the only time that this budding rod of Aaron is mentioned in the Old Testament the only time so everything else that they were going through everything else the ten plagues in Egypt being led out in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night 
The giving of the law of Moses in Mount Sinai shook with fire and smoke. Uh, manna, we could go on and on. The number of miracles, not to mention the thousands of people that had just perished uh, for their murmuring, for their complaining, their constant complaining. This just doesn't get much attention, does it? But it was an amazing act that God did to settle this dispute. Verse 9 says, Then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his rod. All these lifeless rods, and one with flowers and blooms and buds and ripe fruit. <clears throat> Verse 10, And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony. Take it back into the holiest of holies. Put it before the Ark of the Covenant to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you may put their complaints away from me lest you die. Thus did Moses, just as the Lord had commanded him, so he did. Twice he repeated there that the reason God did this so that they may put away their complaints. Stop complaining. Well, they did for this issue. They complained about everything else. They kept, kept complaining, but at least it put this issue to rest. And they also said, bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony. Like I said, this is the only account we have of Aaron's rod budding in the Old Testament, but even the Jewish religion believe that the Ark of the Covenant held Aaron's rod that budded. But they have to go to the New Testament to get that information. That's in Hebrews 9, tells us. Then indeed, even the first covenant, that's the law of Moses, had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part, in which was the lampstand, the table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary or the holy place. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all, or the holiest of holies, which had the golden censer, that's also called the golden altar, or the altar of incense, and the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid on all sides with gold, in which, in which were the golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the Ten Commandments, the tablets of the, of the covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant contain these three things. You've heard it said many, many times that, that Christ is the only reason found in the Old Testament. He's the only point to be made in the Old Testament. He's the fulfillment of the prophecies. He is the law of, of Moses in that respect. And if we look about look at these three at these three things that were in there, the golden pot containing manna, Jesus tells us that he, Christ, is that bread of life. And that's in John 6 and 38. The two tablets of, of stone. Christ is the Word. John 1 and 14 tells us the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And Aaron's rod that budded also typifies Christ rising from, from the dead. Colossians 1 and verse 18. He's the firstborn of the dead. So we'd had the preeminence in all things. The rod, as we looked in our definition there, also means branch. And branch is a very common word in the Old Testament in the prophecies of Christ. 
the branch. Isaiah 4 and 2 says, In that day the branch of the Lord. And any time you see the Lord in that context, it means God. It means Yahweh. It means Jehovah. The branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing for those of Israel who have escaped. And then Zechariah 6 and 12, and there are numerous places referring to Jesus as the branch. Then speak to him, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold the man whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. So over and over again we see this reference to Christ as the branch, as the rod of power and of strength. And the ark also contained the mercy seat. And the mercy seat is Christ. You think about the mercy seat sitting on top of the Ark of the Covenant with the angels leaning forward with their wings up, down in a prayerful position, looking at this new concept of mercy. And the priest went in and sprinkled seven times for his own sins and seven times for, for the sins of his family and seven times for the sins of the people. Only on the Day of Atonement was the only time he could go in there and only under a cloud of incense and only with blood. And this mercy seat, sitting above the law, enthroned God's mercy, even above his law. The holy law of God, even elevated above the law of God, is his mercy. And that mercy is typified in Christ. Romans, the third chapter, we'll read a few verses there. Romans 3, starting in verse 19. <clears throat> now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. You've heard it said many times, and hopefully you believe that to be so. The law could never make us righteous. It wasn't designed to do that. It was designed to reveal to us how desperate we are for a Savior how desperate we are for mercy. Verse 21, but now, okay, that was then. But now, verse 21, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, Jesus Christ. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all, on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation by his blood. Through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Jesus is the mercy seat. Christ is the object of God's mercy toward us, revealed God's mercy. This word propitiation is also translated as the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, also translated the mercy seat. God has, in his infinite wisdom, set Christ up as every part of the law of Moses. He's typified in every, not all of the Old Testament, but all of the law of Moses typifies and, and, uh, and identifies prophesies of Christ. One quick, quick rabbit hole, listening to, uh, watching this TV show, The Chosen, and I've enjoyed it. Uh, we've enjoyed it 
but there's one statement made on that show in this season three where he says, and he's talking to a Pharisee, and Christ says, I am the law of Moses. That's not in scripture. That's not there. Uh, you got to go outside scripture to get that. But Christ is typified in and of the old law. He fulfills every jot and tittle is the way, but that's every iota of the old law, and that's Matthew 5 and 18. The old law makes absolutely no sense. 1,500 years of gibberish, except as it pertains to Jesus Christ. The old law was a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. That's Galatians 3 and 24. So after these things, after this incredible miracle, the children of Israel, verse 12, spoke to Moses saying, surely we die, we perish, we all perish. Whoever even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Shall we all utterly die? They were scared to death. Why were they not scared earlier? What was so amazing about this dry stick that budded, that sprouted, that put forth blooms and put forth ripe fruit? As members of, of the body of Christ, we too are typified in Aaron's rod that budded. Colossians 2 and verse 11, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God or operation of God, who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses, we were dead in sin, brothers and sisters. We were dead, but in Christ, we were being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, with Christ. We've been quickened. We have been brought back to life, having forgiven you, forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. We're priests now. That priesthood question was settled, but Christ brought in a new covenant built upon better promises with a better high priest. And he tells us that we are his priests. First Peter 2 and verse 9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may Proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We are the priests and kings. God has exalted us to that. And we're told to bear fruit. Just like Aaron's rod. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. Therefore by him let us continually offer the praise the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. In John 15 and 6 and 7, 8, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned. You know, a stick, a dead stick will be good for a while, and if it's taken care of but inevitably that stick 
will be cast into a fire and burned. It'll be good for nothing but kindling. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Bearing fruit is evidence of God working in our lives. We can accomplish so much more than we could ever hope to accomplish on our own together with God on our side in Christ bear fruit to God be the people that he needs us to be that he wants us to be the lesson is yours if you have a need this evening you need prayers you would uh, there's something you need to talk to God about we would love to pray with you and for you or if you're not a child of God and you don't know the blessings of Jesus Christ, of being in him, we have water ready, we have clothes. We would love to assist you. If you have a need this evening, please come forward and let your wishes be known as we stand and sing.